0: Right. Well, before we jump into the passage, by way of introduction to the passage this morning, let me talk to our young ones. So uh, young ones here this morning and tell you what this passage is going to be about, what the sermon is going to be about. Start like this. Who likes eggs? Thank you. We've got a couple hands. Okay. Who had eggs for breakfast this morning? Awesome. How did y'all have your eggs this morning? Scrambled. Anybody like their eggs differently? fried how do you like over easy nice paul likes to mess with his eggs okay this is helpful okay so uh who here likes sugar yeah come on like, like how about it? who here doesn't like sugar thank you okay who here would like sugar on their eggs yeah okay <laughs> Luke is willing to try it okay how about this Uh, I dare you to uh, eat some eggs with some sugar on top and let's throw in some flour and a chemical and some fungus. Would you eat it? Yeah, it sounds like a disgusting mess, right? Just put all those things here, but I tell you what, if you put those things together according to a plan, it makes something awesome, delicious. Do you know what it is? pancakes. I actually don't know what, it probably makes all kinds of delicious things. I know that it does make donuts. That's what you were eating this morning. You're eating eggs with some sugar and some flour and some yeast and some baking soda chemical thing. And it's awesome. They're so good. And now you can have them after uh, this worship service, which we're going to be done really soon. So you run, go get your mess, which isn't a mess. It's this awesome, awesome thing. A plan, a plan makes all the difference. This is really, really important because Paul the Apostle, as he is writing to the Romans and he's ending his letter, he's going to tell them about his plans for the future. He's got big plans for the future. He wants to come see them. He says, I hope to come see you and meet you. <clears throat> I want to be friends with you. I want to get to spend time with you. That's my plan. Unfortunately, ooh, we say unfortunately, but sadly, or really, is it that sadly? It doesn't go according to Paul's plan. Like, If you keep reading about what happens to Paul after he writes the letter to the Romans, his life looks like a giant mess, like tons of suffering. It doesn't work according to Paul's plan, but we're told it does all work out according to God's plan. And y'all, young ones, that is so important for us to remember because you need to hear this. You need to have a plan for your life, but I promise you, your life is not going to work out exactly according to your plan. But it will work out according to God's plan. So, you can look at your life, and maybe you're looking at your, your summer right now, and you're like, man, this is not going according to plan. My, my summer was supposed to look like this. And you can look at the junk in your life. You can look at the hard stuff in your life. You can look at the failures in your life, your suffering, and you can think, man, this is just one big mess. But what God tells us is, He actually is using everything in your life, even the hard stuff, all according to His plan, that your life is not just a mess. Your life along with Jesus' life for your life and Jesus' death for your life. Your life and Jesus together, that is God's recipe for the greatest thing ever, which is life that never ends. So whatever you're going through, this summer, this fall, your life. Y'all, I want you to remember that stuff about donuts. Remember donuts and then remember the gospel that this thing of God uses all of this along with Jesus' life, in order to save you, to work out that salvation in you. Because you and Jesus together, what that ends up making is a life that never ends with Jesus and with His people in heaven forever and ever and ever. It really will. If you hold on to Jesus, your life will totally work out according to God's plan, which is actually better than your plan. That's really good news. That's where we are this morning in this passage at the end of Romans chapter 15, this is, uh, uh, for everyone here, this, is, this passage is the beginning of the end of Paul's letter to the Romans. Please stand for our passage. Romans 15, we're going to be in verses 22 to 33. <clears throat> Paul says, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I've longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. And to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. And I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. so that by God's God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. The Word of the Lord. Please be seated. So, uh, here's Paul. uh, And when Paul writes this letter to the Romans, he is actually in the city of Corinth. He tells the Roman church... <clears throat> that from there, from Corinth, he's planning to go to Jerusalem to deliver a financial gift that he's collected from all these churches in the West to go deliver it to the, uh, the church in Jerusalem because that church is incredibly poor and they're uh, experiencing heavy persecution. And Paul says from Jerusalem, he then plans to head to Rome. Uh, and you've got to remember, Paul did not plant the church in Rome. He's writing to the Romans. He didn't plant this church. And he's never been there before. He says in verse 23, for years I have longed to come see you. Verse 24, I hope to meet you because I want to enjoy your company. Verse 32, Paul wants to go to Rome to be refreshed. So Paul, at this point, this is at the end of his third missionary journey, he's already been through so much, so many imprisonments, so many beatings, so many near-death experiences that he's really, really looking forward to going somewhere where he doesn't have to plant a church. And he's planning, he said in chapter 1 of Romans, he's planning, he expects the church in Rome is going to be this blessing to him that they're going to pour into him. And he expects that they are going to help prepare him for his next missionary journey. So Paul's plan is, is to go to Rome, but that's a rest along the way to where he's going next. The plan is to keep going west, Paul says, to Spain. To Spain. Because Spain, at this point in the history of the world, here, Spain is the final frontier. Spain is uh, uncharted territory as far as the gospel goes. It, it had been conquered by the Romans 60 years earlier, so there's actually ways to get there uh, and, and to, uh, to be there and to make sense of that area. He may be taking people from Rome who maybe know that area, but, but there's no church there, and so Paul wants to go there. That's his plan. These are Paul's plans for his three destinations. And then he makes three prayer requests. First, prayer requests for Jerusalem that he would be delivered from the Jews back in Judea, back in Jerusalem, because the Jews now consider Paul the biggest threat, traitor to their people. And he's experienced this along all of his missionary journeys. So he knows he's walking into danger when he's going back to Jerusalem, so he asks for prayer. And the second prayer request is that this gift that he's taking, that it would be received by the Jerusalem church. But you think, why wouldn't they take money? Well, because the Jewish Christians are suspicious of Paul. The Jewish Christians are even suspicious of Paul. And it's because of all this stuff that he's been explaining in Romans, because of this new teaching regarding the Mosaic covenant, which Paul now says is the old covenant. It's it's now done and fulfilled in Jesus. And Jewish Christians are trying to make sense of this transition from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. So they're suspicious of Paul, and because this is Paul, who used to be Saul, who used to murder Jewish Christians. So he's going to a church where he's going to meet people who, yeah, I, I killed your brother and I killed your sister, or I killed your parents. I mean, this, so he knows where he's going, and he's, so he's not certain that they're going to receive his gift. So we ask prayer for that. And then last prayer request is that He's able to make it out of Jerusalem and then to Rome, on to Rome. Here's the so what for us. You know, we want to apply this passage to our lives. If God is in charge of your life, is there any point in making a plan for your life? And Because here's Paul. Paul makes plans here. Paul's making plans for many years into the future. But, did Paul's plan pan out i mean did it, did god answer these prayers of paul did god deliver paul from the jews in jerusalem you can actually read about this in the book of acts in acts chapters 21 and 22 and what you read is when paul shows up paul gets attacked and beaten by an angry mob of jews and then he's arrested by romans because they blame him for inciting this riot happening now and he is about to be taken away and beaten by these roman centurions but he he manages like kind of like last second he manages to explain his way out of it so yeah god delivered god did deliver him from the jews in jerusalem and yet yet he remains in chains and he is shipped off to caesarea where he's imprisoned for two years uh, Paul would say that that did not go according to plan. But that didn't mean that God didn't answer his prayer. His life is spared. So, and obviously, whatever's happening is working out according to God's plan. Paul's other prayer request was that the Jewish church would receive his gift. Did they receive his gift? We actually don't know. Okay, Paul's final prayer request was that he would get to Rome in order to be refreshed so that he could get on to Spain. Did he ever get to Rome? Yes, he did. From Caesarea, he was shipped off to Rome to stand trial before Caesar in chains. So he gets to Rome, only he's in prison. He probably uh, would say that that did not go according to plan. Because you don't look five years down the road and say, yeah, I'm going to suffer and suffer and suffer. I'm going to go through something, you know, this thing terrible and this thing awful and and stuff. All according to plan. But he got to Rome all according to god's plan and at the very here's the qualifier at the very end of his prayer requests in verse 32 the end of this passage right here paul does qualify all of these prayers with if god wills so here are my plans if they're god's plans and when it doesn't work out exactly according to paul's plan what we do know is that paul does not lose hope as if God loves him any less now, or as, as if the mission of the gospel has failed. Paul said in verse 29, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Is that true? Did that pan out? Yeah. Because Paul, and we know this, Paul does not think history or life or that suffering and death, he doesn't think it's meaningless. He's not a fatalist. He doesn't think life is random. He knows that the one true God is 100% in control. So when he is imprisoned, when he is under house arrest in Rome, Paul. This is a, this is in later. This is in the last chapter of the book of Acts. We're fast forwarding in the life of Paul, but we see here that he says he explains what's going on this way. He says, "It's I'm here. It's because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain." Let's say that again. Paul says, it's because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. So in the midst of his upended plans, Paul shares his hope about this life and the life to come to his visitors. So this is the stuff he's telling people, anybody that'll visit him. This is Acts 28, 23. He testifies to them about the kingdom of God trying to convince them about Jesus. Here he is, nothing has gone according to plan and he's convinced. It's all going according to plan. You need to know about the one who's in charge of this plan, Jesus. And when Paul tells these people that God has rescued, he's telling them, when he tells them that he's rescued, God has rescued them over and over and over again. He, what he's not saying is that God always gets him out of trouble, or he always, God always gets him out of suffering, or that God is going to always get him out of death. He means what he actually says in his final, last letter, which he writes from prison in Rome. This is Second Timothy chapter four, eighteen. He says, "The Lord." will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. One commentator put it like this. What Paul is saying right there at the end in his final letter, explaining all of this stuff that has gone on, God will always rescue me. Sometimes from suffering and sometimes through suffering. God will always rescue me sometimes from death and one day through death. Because the end that I want is to be safe in Jesus' heavenly kingdom. Paul, he doesn't know which way he's going, but he knows God knows which way he's going. He knows it's leading him home. There's uh, there's an old children's book called uh, The Princess and the Goblin. It's fantastic. You should all read it. Everyone here, old and young, it's about Irene who is eight years old. And she has a fairy godmother. This is kind of Cinderella stuff. Uh, one day, her fairy godmother gives her a ring. And there is a thread tied to the ring. And, and the fairy godmother has the other end of that thread. She's holding on to it. And Irene says, okay, but I can't see the thread. And her fairy godmother explains, no, you can only feel it. And if you ever find yourself in any danger, you must follow the thread wherever it leads you. It may seem random, but don't doubt the thread because it will lead you to me and so just days later late one night irene is in bed and she hears this terrible sound in her house and this is fantasy goblins goblins have gotten into the house and she hears them snarling and, and they're violent out in the hallway and so she puts on the ring and she begins to feel the thread knowing that it's going to take her to her fairy godmother into safety she starts to follow it, and as she starts to follow it, she really, really starts to freak out because it leads her outside where the goblins are. Then she realizes, as she continues to follow it, the thread is leading to the cave of the goblins. And not just to the cave, it's leading inside the cave of the goblins. And inside, she's still following it. She can't believe what she's doing inside the cave. The thread leads her up to a great heap of stones, a dead end. And so she thinks at least, you know, what she, she's finally, she's kind of lost it at this point. She says, I'll just follow the thread backwards to get out of here, to get out of this cave. But the instant she tries to go backwards, the thread vanishes from her touch. She can't feel it anymore. The thread only works going forward. But forward, it only leads to a heap of stones. And so she bursts into tears. And she's ready to give up. And then she realizes the only way out of here is to follow the thread. And I've got to tear through this wall of stones. And so she starts to tear down the wall of stones. She's tearing it down, she's tearing it down, stone by stone. Her fingers start to bleed, uh, but she, she still digs and she tears down this wall and suddenly she hears a voice. It's her best friend, Curtie, who has been trapped by the goblins, trapped in the goblins' cave. And Curdy is shocked when Irene finds her and he says, how did you find me? And Irene realizes that her fairy godmother sent her to save Curdie. And Curdie wants to go out of the cave by, but you know Irene at this point she really gets it and she tells him we've got to follow the thread because she knows her fairy godmother is trustworthy. And so they follow it deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the cave until it finally leads to a way out and to her fairy godmother and they are saved. Is it is it okay for you to ask? For you to say to God, "I don't know why I'm going through this." Yes, and we have wonderful resources in God's Word, like the Psalms, and like Ecclesiastes, and like Job, and like uh, uh, over. We've got all of these wonderful resources that allow us to ask God why He allows His servants to suffer like we suffer, to experience the world like we experience the world. And we've got wonderful resources like Romans, and like the book of Acts, and like this Paul guy himself. Paul who knew horrible suffering. and He doesn't give up. He responds with hope. And I want to remind you of your hope this morning. That in the greatest suffering in all of history, in the crucifixion and death of Jesus Christ, God showed Himself to be supremely faithful to His plan. He showed Himself to be supremely faithful to His promises of salvation. And at the cross, more than any more than anywhere else, we see that out of extreme evil, out of extreme suffering, our God brings salvation and redemption. That is our hope. Because suffering and death, it sounds like the opposite way that we should go. Suffering and death sound like the opposite way that Paul should go. But but we see here that to be saved, J- it, Jesus says it's actually only through judgment. It's actually only through death that anyone is going to be saved. But the way to go through death and judgment is to go through it with Jesus. His death for your death. His judgment for your judgment. That He took that curse of judgment for us on the cross and we get the blessing of His judgment uh, that he wins for us, which is nothing less than salvation. You go back to Paul. It did did Paul get a fair trial in Rome? Did he actually speak to Caesar and share the gospel with Caesar? Did he make it to Spain? We don't know. And some of it, we really don't like that. But but we don't know because paul doesn't tell us and because the book of acts doesn't tell us this is how acts ends with paul it says this paul lived in prison in rome two whole years at his own expense and he welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of god and teaching about the lord jesus christ with all boldness and without hindrance and you read that and you're like without hindrance what is is like no false erroneous that's not true I mean, here at the end, he's in quarantine, and you know something of that. And as far as we know, Paul ended his gospel ministry in quarantine. And then you try to see what the Scripture is telling us that this is actually the best ending ever because the gospel is not about Paul. The gospel is about Jesus. Jesus and the very last thing Jesus said before ascending into heaven what he says to his disciples is you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth for Paul's story to end this way it does say to us I mean look how look how this all began like look how look how stacked the odds were against us Look how this thing almost failed time and again. Look how the Pharisee religious leaders tried to kill this. Look how the state tried to kill this and sweep it under the rug. Look how the world tried to kill this at every turn. Look at all of the opposition. And the truth is, you can imprison us, you can kill us, but you cannot imprison the gospel and you cannot kill the gospel. The gospel cannot be stopped. And... and. and and, you know wild upon wild here like what we do know from history that as paul is writing this letter to the roman church we know that nero the emperor he is about to unleash terrible persecution against christians across the empire and it's going to start with christians in rome it's going to start with these people to whom paul is writing this letter this terrible persecution so how about this last and final prayer request that paul makes May the God of peace be with you. Does God answer that prayer? The good news about the Gospel is that the Gospel says that the end of the book of Acts is n- actually not the end of Paul's story. Whatever, however it ended for Paul. However it ended for Paul. Paul's death is not the end of Paul's story. The end of Paul's story is revelation. And that's the end of your story, too. Whatever the end of your story looks like, it's actually not the end. The end of your story is the resurrection, the glorification, new heavens, new earth, where everything sad becomes untrue, where everything is worked out according to God's better plan. That is your hope. And let's pray. Father, the. The world and our life, it seems, uh, it seems too big for us. And, and it is. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to continue to confess that. that. That our lives, our individual lives, the lives of our loved ones, is too big for us. It's too big for us to control any kind of outcome. It's too big for us to secure any kind of good future in and of ourselves. But it's not too big for you. You're bigger than all of it. Father, that is our hope, hope that is, that is uh, uh, faith that is certain about the future. And I pray that you would give us that faith that is certain about our future, a hope that Christ has won; He's already done it. It is accomplished, Lord. As you are applying and working out His salvation in us right now, give us that hope that one day, uh, if you, if you. Tarry and you call us home first, or if you come back today, tomorrow, the next day, Lord, give us that hope. That hope for that future that is good and it is secure. It is a it is a future with you. It is a future with your people, life everlasting in your heavenly kingdom. Lord, give us that hope today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.